Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, so welcome. I am Pastor Courage Molina. This is Bold Faith Community Church. I am so excited that you are here with us. Bold Faith Community Church exists to help women develop a personal relationship with Christ, walk boldly in their faith, and apply the Word of God to every area of their lives. We will fulfill our mission by equipping and training women to be ministers in the Word of God. The vision is to build a community of women who are bold in their faith, confident in their calling, and courageous in their pursuits. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. What's up? Keep dropping where you are tuning in from in the chat. What's good? What's good? Um, I don't know what y'all have been doing, but I've been doing a lot of thinking. I was just in this um, employee to in, to entrepreneur uh, summit. And so there's all this talk about purpose. Also, y'all know my best friend, Erica Denise. <laughs> I stay saying her full name. Um, Y'all know that Erica Davenport is, um, you know, my best friend and, and she has an amazing gift and purpose. And so we talk about purpose a lot, but I also feel like purpose has kind of become like a buzzword a little bit. Um, everybody's talking about purpose. I think Stephen Chandler worked, Pastor Stephen Chandler wrote a book about purpose. Dr. Darius Daniels, like everybody's talking about purpose. People I feel like weren't really to purpose now they talk about purpose now um but i think that the reason that we see this increase in talking about purpose is because you know in 2020 we went through this crazy thing where the jobs that you thought were secure were shut down and you were sent home and um people lost a lot of loved ones we were filled with fear some of us um still haven't recovered from that and so people start to really see like life is short. We knew that before, but whatever protection we thought we had or just this, this separation we thought that we had from those things happening to us and the people we loved, we could see it became very clear. That's just not the case. And I think that while people were home or while people were watching what was going on and all the loss of life, people really start to question what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose? What was I placed on this earth for? And so I think that's why we've seen the birth of so many uh, purpose coaches and so many people seeking, looking and wanting to discover their purpose. I think that's why we see so much of it. And so I've been, I think about it all the time, but I've certainly been thinking about it um, a lot here since we've been studying um, the book of Acts, like just thinking about purpose. The Holy Spirit was given to them with a purpose. They had a purpose to fulfill. If you were with us a couple of weeks ago in um, the life groups, we talked about us having multiple purposes. Erica mentioned that in the life group discussion. You know, we don't just have this one purpose, but we, we've known this but there seems to be this new push for it or an increase in amount of push for it, right? Um, 
a changing of the time. It makes me think of like Renaissance. There's an awakening. That's sort of I've been looking for. There's an awakening for people. Um, there's this new desire for people to really find their own purpose. They want to fulfill the purpose of their life. And that's a beautiful thing because everything was created with or for a purpose. There isn't anything that wasn't created with a purpose. Now, when I say that, the thing that comes in the back of my head is like, even roaches, <laughs> like everything. I'm a, I'm a God girl. And so God created everything and everything that God created had a purpose. And so I mean, roaches though, roaches a purpose. Um, they, they, that, it's just gross, right? And so I want to talk about roaches for a little bit, but because I think it's gross, I'm going to use the word cucaracha. I think cucaracha is like super cute. You know, it's a Spanish word for roach. Just doesn't sound as gross, okay? So from now on, I'm going to be talking about la cucaracha. You with me? Now listen, stay with me. I promise you I'm going somewhere. So I'm from Florida. So before you judge what I'm about to say, I want you to understand where I'm from. I'm from Florida. Okay, that's where I was born. And what I found out about Florida is that they are number one. They are the top infested state of the United States for insects, including La Cucaracha. Um, I think second and third is Texas and Louisiana as far as bug infestation. So I grew up in a state that is number one for bugs. Okay. So I don't know where you live or where you stay, but I'm going to get ready to say something. And I feel like some of y'all might judge me, but I want you to understand where I come from. I come from Florida. We number one in books. If you've ever been to Florida, especially in the summertime, you know that nets are everywhere. You can like see them. If you look off to the side, you don't have to be like out in the woods. You could just be in the middle of the street, in the middle of like a regular town, and you can see a swarm of nets. You can be getting, you can be sitting outside getting ate up. Mosquitoes big enough to to carry you and your little dog away at the same time. You understand what I'm saying? La cucarachas in Florida, they fly, okay? So I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have any love for bugs. I don't like them. I don't feel a way about them being killed or smashed or sprayed. I don't have that like, oh, catch the bug and let it out, spirit in me, pray for me. I don't have that. But in my defense, that's why I started with in my defense, I'm from Florida, I was born in Florida, born and raised in West Philadelphia, born, was born and raised in Florida, which happens to be the, according to studies, the number one state in the United, in the whole United States of America, we number one for something. Turns out it's for bug infestation, <laughs> which could, could explain why I hate bugs because I'm from a place where they everywhere. Okay, so I hate bugs. Don't judge me. Judge yourself. But do you know what? As I think about, you know, La Cucarachas and the fact that God created them with the purpose, I'm like, but what is the purpose? You know what I'm saying? Like, I just because I can't see it, you know, so I start to do a little research. And do you know what I found out about La Cucarachas? They are, um, you know, because of what they eat, they eat this like rotten food and stuff. Their digestive process leads to um nitrogen rich soil do, do you know what that means it means that plants can grow uh trees and, and things like that are going to grow because of la cucaracha 
Um, they're also a food source for other insects. The first one I saw was wasp. And I was like, who needs wasps? Get rid of them too. You know what I'm saying? But I continue to read the list. And they're also a good food source for um, birds. And I like a little bird watching, kind of. And for other mammals. So it's like, okay, the cucarachas, they have a purpose. They have, uh, they make nitrogen rich soil. They feed, you know, other insects and mammals and birds. But did you know, this is a little, I know y'all like what, did you know that people farm la cucarachas? That there is, <laughs> I'm not even making it up. I'm not even making this up, okay? There, there are la there are cucaracha farms. There are cucaracha farms. And the largest cucaracha farm is found in southwest China, where they where they produce six billion cucarachas per year. So gross. Um, they use it as a food source for humans. Apparently, cucarachas are high in protein. Um, Big Pharma also likes to use cucarachas. They use them um, to create potions <laughs> or to make like medicine or supplements or something. Um, they also use cucarachas for like research on like diseases and things like that. Not that now, listen, according to the studies, cucarachas don't really carry disease. They're kind of clean. They're always cleaning themselves, but they're used in research of disease, like maybe giving them stuff. I really maybe feeding cucarachas to things like the protein from the cucaracha, and then it reduces the risk of certain diseases. Mm. They say that the potion, they called it a potion. They literally called it a potion um, that is created from like powdered cucarachas like all these great health benefits. They say that the cosmetic industry is also interested in cucarachas because of their cellulose wings. I don't really know what they do with that, but I just want to tell you that everything, I just wanted to prove to you everything was created with a purpose, including la cucaracha. And just like la cucaracha has multiple purposes, so do we, right? We have multiple purposes. I want to know who wants to fulfill their purpose. Drop it in the chat. If you are a person and you want to fulfill, now la, la cucarachas are out here fulfilling their purpose. They are out here being farmed. Oh, <laughs> come on, somebody. The Lord is using la cucarachas to fulfill their purpose and they have multiple purposes. Is there anybody here that wants to fulfill the purpose of their life? Purposes, say with an S, because we have multiple. Um, we know that we have a purpose as a believer. Who wants to fulfill their purpose as a believer, which is to know God and to make him known? Do I have any wives in the community? What is your purpose as a wife to be a suitable helper, to be a help meet to your husband? Do I have any women out there that are mothers that want to fulfill their purpose as moms, which is to raise their child up in the way that they should go, which is to teach their child about the word of God. Talk about it day and night as you walking on the highways and byways so that they don't depart from it. Um, is there a woman out there who wants to fulfill the purpose that she was created for? And the purpose for women is to teach and help and mentor younger women. As you get become older, um, the purpose of a woman is to teach younger women and to mentor them and to pour into them. Who wants to fulfill their purpose as a friend? The Lord says, woke to he who walks alone because when he falls, he has nobody to pick him up. That means that my purpose as a friend is to lift my friend up when she's having a difficult time, to stand in the gap to pray for my friend 
right? Um, who among you wants to fulfill your purpose as an entrepreneur, right? And your purpose as an entrepreneur is to bear fruit. It is to be successful. It is to go out to the marketplace. If your purpose is entrepreneurship, it is to go out into the marketplace and solve a problem, um, create um, transformation in the lives of people, solve the problems of people, present the solution, and uh, bear much fruit because it is to our Father's glory when our lives bear fruit. And so I know that something is fruitful when it fulfills the purpose for which it was created. How many of you want to fulfill your purpose as a leader? which is to lead, to lead by example, to develop those that are under you, to show the way, to lead the way, right? That to, to fulfill the thing for the group that God has called you to. Joshua was a leader and his purpose as a leader was to take the children of Israel into a, the possession of the promised land. Moses was a leader. His job as a leader was to deliver the children of Israel out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt. So I'm gonna ask you again, who wants to fulfill their purposes? Is there any among you that wants to fulfill your purposes? I see y'all in the chat. Okay, now listen, that brings me to my sermon topic for today. I'm gonna tell you this. This is what I realized this week as I studied and I, and I looked at this scripture, that if you want to fulfill your purpose, then you're gonna have to make peace with persecution. I know, don't all go. If you want to fulfill your purpose, then you are going to have to make peace with persecution. This week as a Bible studying church, we've been focused on chapter eight. And so uh, our focus this morning is going to be from chapter eight, verses one through eight. If you could get to that, I'm going to be reading it through. I'm going to be reading it from the NIV version. I feel like something stuck in my eyelash. I'm going to be reading it from the NIV version of the Bible. But as I read this week, and we've been reading all these weeks, chapters one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, all these weeks, it's a lot of trouble. It's a lot of persecution going on. Um, Let's talk about persecution real quick before we read. I'm giving you some time when you get there, say amen, so we can read this together. Persecution is not just problems. Persecution is not just trouble. You can get yourself in trouble and you're not being persecuted. You could be getting discipline or experiencing the consequences of your action or the consequences of your disobedience or procrastination. That's not what I'm talking about. Persecution is something that is some negative painful, dis discomfort, uncomfortable thing that is happening. Somebody is coming after you. The reason that somebody is coming for you is because you are doing what the Lord said. Because I'm doing what the Lord said, because I'm saying what the Lord said, they want to persecute me. They want to come against me. This ain't just like your regular haters. It's not just your regular hater. It's not your, you know, run of the mill haterite. Haterate. This is very specific. So keep that in mind as we read. All right. Chapter eight, verse one. And Saul approved their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women 
and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Amen. Let's go back a little bit. Um, it, it, we start with, and Saul approved of their killing him, of their killing him. He's talking about Stephen. Last week, uh, we saw our first martyr that Stephen was ride or die. He was committed to the call in his life. He was committed to fulfilling purpose. He was committed to truth so much so that he was willing to die for it. And then this man, Saul, approved the killing of him. But before we get into you making peace with persecution, let's start with purpose. I want us to go back to Acts chapter one. I want you to make peace with purpose. I'm, I want you to make peace with purpose. I want you to make peace with persecution. And um, I say that because there are some things that persecution does for you. I'm, I'm going to tell you three things that persecution is going to do for you. And so if you want to fulfill the purpose, the purposes of your life, then you have to make peace with persecution. I don't want you running from it because there are some benefits. There are some things that you can't do. There are some things that you don't get unless you experience some persecution. And that is the journey to fulfillment of your purpose. Does that make sense? I want you to make peace with persecution because it is the key to the fulfillment of the purposes for which you were created. So let's start with the purpose. Chapter one, verse eight. This is Jesus talking to um, the disciples, right? But you, cause he's telling them he's getting ready to leave. Um, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me even go back a little bit before then. God is in this in this session, in this session, in this section of scripture, God is telling them what they are to do, right? That they're going to go out and make disciples and baptize people, right? And that this Holy Spirit is gonna come, um, this Holy Spirit is gonna come and give them the power to do that. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus gives them a purpose. We see that in chapter one, Jesus gives the disciples, they become the apostles holding on to some power when the Holy Spirit comes, but Jesus gives them a purpose. It first starts with purpose. Holy Spirit comes, the purpose is for them to go in Ju Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria. From chapters one through seven, we see as the disciples are doing just that, Jesus told them to stay in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit comes. We see the Holy Spirit move in and through them. The number of disciples continues to grow. 3,000, 5,000 people come to know Christ. Even some of the priests start to believe in Jesus, believe and follow the Messiah. People are spreading the good news about Christ. There are people being delivered by the hands of the apostles. People are speaking in other tongues. People are speaking in unlawful 
learned languages, right? People are getting the, the power and the wisdom to speak truth and stand. Uh, we see Peter preaching a sermon. Do you understand what I'm saying? We see all of these, these things happening as the disciples are answering the call on their life. They're pursuing their purpose, but they're not quite done, right? God has told them to make disciples, to be witnesses for Jesus, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And from chapters one through seven, we still in Jerusalem. Nobody's left. Nobody's gone to Judea and nobody's gone to Samaria, but they have been witnessing. And as a result of their witnessing, we see that they are persecuted. They are put in jail. They are beat. And then we see our first martyr, Stephen, is killed. We start off with chapter eight and Saul approved of their killing him. The reason that you need to make peace with persecution is because persecution is proof you are pursuing your purpose. Persecution is proof you are pursuing your purpose. That's why you want to make peace with it, because it is only in doing the thing that you were created to do the way that God has called you to do it. It is only the decision to follow God, his will, his way, to obey the word of God, to live according to the example that he set through his son, Jesus. It is only through that that we start to experience persecution. Persecution is the proof in the pudding. Okay. Persecution is the proof. When I decide that I'm going to be the wife that God has called me to be, it is in those seasons that I begin to feel the most persecution. Do I have a wife out there that will say amen? When I've decided to be a believer, that's not just sitting in the back of the church somewhere saying hallelujah and clapping my hands, but I start to make Jesus known in my friend group, in my friend circle and on my job, on social media. It's in that time that I know God and I start to make him know in my pursuit of my purpose as a believer, it's in those seasons that I start to see persecution. It's in those seasons that I get rejected. It's in those seasons and situations where people start to call me closed-minded because I say I stand on the word of truth when I start to say that that's a sin and this is a sin because I want people to understand that there's a God out there who loves them but has called them to live a certain way that we've been called to live separate. It is when I start to make God known that I experience persecution. It is the time where I start to tell my kids, I'm not your little friend. There's a certain way. It's when I decide not to spare the rod because I don't want to spoil my child. It's in those seasons that the teenager starts to buck up. It's when I experience persecution as a parent. Somebody's mad because I, somebody's upset. I'm going back and forth. There's this tension in my home now with my children because I have a certain standard that I want my house run by and I'm not letting you do what so-and-so mama let him do. Well, I'm not so-and-so's mother. I'm going to do things according to the word of God. And so that means you're not having no sleepover with no little girls and no little boys over here at this house. That means we're going to church on Sunday. You ain't got to like it, but you're going. I understand that your friends are hanging out on Sunday and they're going to the mall, but I'm going to raise you according to the way that God has called me to. And since I've decided to pursue my purpose 
as a mother, there's some persecution that I experience. It's a difficult thing to be a godly friend because so many people are going through things. And when you love a person, you go through that with them. It would be so much better in a sense for your heart if you weren't really connected to people. If people couldn't tell you what they were going through. If you didn't care about somebody else's marriage or somebody else's uh, fertility struggles. If you didn't care about what was going on with somebody's kids. If you didn't care about what was going on in their family and in their mind and what they were struggling with. If you didn't care about their depression and their anxiety, it would be so much easier, real talk, because you wouldn't have to carry any of that. Your heart wouldn't be broken for them. But when you've decided that I'm going to be the type of friend that God has called me to be, it means that when my friend is down, I have to be there to lift them up. It means that I am my sister's keeper. Dennis saying, when I am living out my purposes, as an entrepreneur in social media, it means I'm showing up a way that other people aren't. It means that I'm following strategies and I'm bucking a system that the majority is saying it's got to be done this way. But because I'm a faithpreneur, because I'm a child of the most high God and I don't separate my belief system from what God has called me to do in the marketplace, it means that I'm showing up differently. It means that I have a certain level of integrity. It means I don't care about the advice that you give me. Nothing supersedes the instruction, the strategy that I get in my prayer closet. So sometimes I'm out here lowering my prices when people say I should be raising my prices. And sometimes I'm out here raising my prices when people are saying that what I do, I should be giving away from for free. There's some persecution that comes as I pursue my purpose. When you have been called to be a godly leader and you are walking in that, you're not doing things, you're not compromising your beliefs so that you can increase your numbers. That is where you start to feel the persecution. Persecution is proof you are pursuing your purpose. That is the proof. That's the proof right there. So if you intend to fulfill the purposes for which you were created, persecution is proof you are pursuing that purpose. I need you to make peace with persecution. On that day, verse, uh, verse one continues, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Why did a great persecution break out? Because these folks out here are ride or die. Because this man could have lied. He could have changed his mind. He could have been quieter. He could have decided to leave. He could have decided to run away. But these Jesus believers are doing so much right now. They are willing to die for this message. They're willing to die for the good news. They're willing to, got, to die to tell people the truth about God. Oh, no, no, no. Now these people are really pursuing the purpose for which they were created. Stephen was one of the seven. Stephen was one of the seven. So I know that he was a man of wisdom. We know that he was a man full of the Holy Spirit. Right? Now he's out here really pursuing his purpose to the death of him. That's a different level of commitment. That's a different level of pursuit. On that day, the day that the first martyr died, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Why? Because they was doing too much. That's why persecution is breaking out, because they were doing too much. 
And so as a result of them doing too much, as a result of them spreading the good news about Christ, as a result of them going out and making disciples of the world, as a result of them going out, speaking the truth, baptizing people, laying hands on people, um, being filled with the Holy Spirit, delivering people from uh, disease and demons, right? As a result of that, they were greatly persecuted. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They were pursuing their purpose. Persecution was proof of it. It says in verse two, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. I just want to take a break right there and tell you that um, when a man or woman is killed um, as a criminal, it's not really permitted in the religious group for you to be crying for them. We saw this with um, with Aaron way back, Old Testament. I think it was Leviticus. Aaron's two sons were consumed by a holy fire because they were burning the wrong kinds of incense. And Moses told Aaron, you are not to mourn them. You are not to cry for them. Why? Because they were criminals against the word of God, they were criminals against the law that God had set up. They were disobedient to God. You are not to cry for them, right? So that would have brought trouble on you. And Stephen, to the religious elite and to those who were in charge, was, was seen as a criminal. He was killed. Saul approved it. Not just that he was okay with it. Saul is not just some bystander. First of all, the men that came to accuse Stephen were probably from the synagogue, the synagogue that Saul was from, which is probably why he was there. Saul was probably at that synagogue. Saul was a leader, a religious leader, not in the church, but for the priests, right? For the children of Israel, for the temple. He was a leader there. So if he okayed it, it was more like a um, like a sanctioned, like a, it was more like a sentence, not just that he was applauding their bad behavior, right? It was more like an official killing as if there had been some type of trial. He was sanctioning it. And so if he was sanctioning the killing of Stephen, it means that they should not have been crying and lamenting and making all that noise. So even their crying, I want you to understand, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. I want you to understand that even that is an act of defiance against the children, against Israel. Even that is an act of defiance against the Jews, against the synagogue, against the temple. The crying for Stephen by these godly men, even that is an act of defiance. And Saul began, but Saul began to destroy the church. He was going from house to house. The fact that he drugged both men and women and put them into prison, that right there shows his level of zeal. Typically for crimes and things like that, it was really men. Even, even if a wife made a vow, even if a wife made a vow to God and her husband knew that she made that vow to God and then she didn't keep it and he didn't make her keep it, the husband had the guilt on him. So for the women to also be included, he is extremely zealous. He's got a lot of zeal for persecuting the church. 
This is not like, okay, he took men and women. That's not a big deal. No, that wasn't a thing. That wasn't a thing. The men were being held responsible unless the, the woman was, was um, caught up in some type of like sexual sin, the sins and the lack of vow and the things that she didn't keep that was brought on her father's house. If he knew about it, it was her father's responsibility. It was not, it was not the leadership, the leadership of the Jews didn't necessarily exact out punishment on the women. That was for their fathers to do. Are you understanding me? That was for their husbands to do. And if the fathers didn't do it and the husbands didn't do it, then their guilt laid on, then the guilt of her sin of what she did laid on the husband, laid on the father. So for Saul to be out in these streets, dragging out both in an official capacity, men and women and putting them in prison, that's a whole nother level. That's a whole nother level. And those, continues in verse four, those who have been scattered preach the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a great joy in the city. The purpose of the apostles and the disciples were to spread the good news um, that there would be signs, the proof that the Holy Spirit was on them. There would be proof that God was with them. There would be signs and wonders, the deliverance from demons, the deliverance from disease. And so another reason you want to make peace with persecution is because persecution can release the power of God in your life. Persecution can release the power of God in your life. I just want you to think about a time. I just want you to think about a time without any persecution. I want you to think about a time without you just, everything is chilling. When I'm not going through anything where there's no pain, there's no trial, there's no tribulation. I mean, for the most part, we can start to feel like we're doing this thing on our own. The problem is you cannot fulfill the purpose that God has created you for outside of uh, the with, without the power of God. You cannot fulfill the purpose that God has created you for absence of the power of God in your life. Now, I know some people are out here reaching goals and making accomplishment, but what they have been able to accomplish without God pales, does not even hit the scale, does not even make a blip when it comes to what they could do if they allowed the power of God to operate in and through them. You cannot fully fulfill the purpose for which you were created without the power of God, which means you need to make peace with persecution because that persecution can release the power of God in your life. They're being persecuted. And what is he doing? He's still able to preach. He's still able to proclaim the Messiah. He's able to... Um, to, to cast out impure spirits. He's able to give 
uh, working legs and limbs to those who were paralyzed and to those who were lame. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? Sometimes persecution is going to release the power of God in your life because in order for me to overcome it, in order for me not to come to my end, in order for me to stick with it, in order for me to not get um, weary and, and well-doing, in order for me not to turn back, in order for me not to turn away, in order for me not to settle for what is good enough, but it ain't God enough, for what I've been created for, it's going to require the power of God in my life. There's a persecution that you are experiencing in your marriage. There's persecution that you are facing as a result of your ministry, as a result of your mindset. There's persecution that you are experiencing. And in order for you to continue on this journey that God has called you to, this journey that's going to lead to the fulfillment of your purpose, it's going to require the power of God. It is impossible. There isn't anything that God has brought you to, no matter how painful it is, no matter how dark it seems, no matter how dismal it seems, there isn't anything that you're following the purpose that God is going to bring you to that God ain't going to bring you through. Do you understand that? This persecution is going to release the power of God in your life. If it wasn't for the persecution that I experienced when I decided to be a godly wife, I wouldn't be the woman that I am today. That persecution is the pressing that I needed. Come on, somebody, to release the oil, the anointing into my life. The persecution that you face as you chase your purpose is what causes the pressing so that the oil of God can flow in your life. Come on, somebody. The persecution that you face right now, it causes a pressing that releases the power of God in your life. So if you want to fulfill the purpose for which you were created, then my friend, you are going to have to make peace with persecution. I ain't going to keep y'all much longer, but what I want y'all to realize is that persecution can also accelerate the fulfillment of your purpose. Anybody ready to live in the fulfillment of the purpose for which God created them for? Anybody ready? What I need you to know is if you want to get to that place, then you might need to make peace with persecution because persecution is going to push you forward at a faster rate than peace on its own could have ever done. I want you to pay attention. Acts chapter one, I'm going to go back to it. Acts chapter one, Verse eight, Jesus told the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness. You will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, let me tell you something. For the first seven chapters, they remained in Jerusalem. There was a small amount of persecution. There was some discomfort. People were going to prison. People were being accused of things. Do you understand? People were coming up against them. People were getting beat. But the first seven chapters, them boys remained in Jerusalem. It wasn't until Stephen was killed. It wasn't until Saul turned up the heat that that persecution began to be a little bit more. And that persecution accelerated the fulfillment of their purpose. It was the result of the persecution that they experienced at the hand of Saul. I'm going to read it for you again. Chapter eight, it says in verse three, but Saul began to destroy the church 
going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. On that day, go back to verse one. On that day, a great persecution, not a small persecution, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And everybody except the apostles were scattered. Where were they scattered to? Come on, Jesus, Judea and Samaria. It's not by it's not by coincidence that they went to Judea and Samaria because Jesus told them way back before he ascended back to the right hand of God that they would be his witnesses first in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then out through the ends of the earth. I wonder where God has called you to go. I wonder if you got a good start, but you stalled out. I wonder if you got a good start and because you saw some, um, some fruit on your tree, because you saw some results and you had a little bit of trouble, I wonder if you stopped short of fulfilling the full purpose that God had for you. And as a result of that, he's had to turn up the heat so he can accelerate the fulfillment of his purpose for your life. I wonder how many of you started out as godly women and God has called you to the next level in your wifehood, right? He's calling you to a greater level of quiet spirit. He's calling you to a higher level of being a suitable helper. But because you've made some changes and you've made some adjustments and you've taken some heating and it's not always the way it seems and this man that you're married to, he ain't always doing right. So you have certainly have experienced some persecution as a result of the decision to remain married until God calls you home, right? And so maybe you've been there, you feel like, okay, I've been feeling some things, but right now you've said yes to something and you feel like God has turned up the heat. I know that the women in my community have been asking me to start this group. They want a safe place. I counsel women as a pastor. I don't know why I'm yelling at y'all. I'm so sorry. Um, as a pastor, I, I counsel women um, in their marriage. I give them advice. Um, I encourage them. I provide them with uh, with the truth of God's word concerning what we are called to do um, as wives. And so I've been doing that a, a lot more lately, actually. And um, so they were like, you know, we need a safe place. We need a place for wives. We need a place because we don't hear this even in Christian circles. And I said, okay, child, I started that Facebook group. I'm a wife and that's my superpower. My husband and I got in a fight every single day. It, I started the Facebook group, and after I started the Facebook group, we and I'm not talking about no little argument. I ain't talking about no cute, I'm a pastor, cute Christian argument. No, 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 no. I mean, we was fighting, yelling, arguing, acting a fool every day after I started that group. And I'm talking about just recently. I ain't talking about no years ago. If there's anybody here who I've counseled, uh, you know that it's probably just been a few months that I started the group. So we're not talking a long time ago before I was a pastor. No, your pastor and her husband was arguing. I opened that group up and I was like, see, I reached out to one of the ladies who I'm, I'm friends with. I love her. And I was like, now y'all didn't ask me to lead this group. And I have said yes. And as a result of starting this ministry for wives, my marriage is taking a hit every single day. So I think y'all might be on your own. <laughs> there was there was some heat do you understand there was some heat there was some heat that got turned up in my marriage that was tied to my purpose because God has given me has gifted me with a perspective with a sight with a vision 
for wives and godly marriages that we don't hear often. I often will tell you, I'm going to be praying for the marriage until the ink dries. That means you can separate from him. You can file for a divorce. But until the ink dries on the stamp that the judge puts down, I'm going to be praying for your marriage. I don't. It doesn't even matter what you tell me because there isn't any manner of evil that God cannot overcome. I don't believe that there is anything too hard for God. And that means even in a marriage where there might be some verbal abuse, even in a marriage where there might be some physical abuse, I'm not telling you to stay, but I'm telling you, I am praying for a healthy, godly, restored marriage until the ink dries, no matter what you tell me is going on in your house. Do you hear me? And that is just... That is just how the Lord created me. Sometimes I wish it wasn't because there have been times where I'm like, I'm about to leave this dude right here. But the thing that he put in me won't let me go. It won't allow me to behave like I don't know who God has created me to be. It doesn't allow me to do that. But what I'm telling you is, as these women have been asking me to start a group for wives, when I started that group for wives, when I tell you the heat was turned up, but when I started to get in my prayer closet, and God started to open my eyes to help me understand that this persecution is not so that I can slow down in my purpose. This persecution has been sent to accelerate the fulfillment of my purpose. The persecution that you face have been, has been sent to you to accelerate the fulfillment of your purpose. It's not an accident. It's not an accident that you would feel this pushing uh, to quit your job and to start this ministry. And then you would be fighting hell every day. And I mean hell. I mean, the enemy has sent every demon, lowly, mid-level your way to get you to go back. Don't resist the persecution. Don't resist the persecution. I'm, I'm closing. Don't resist the persecution. If you are a woman, and so many of you at the start of this said yes, who wants to fulfill the purpose of your life, then it requires that you make peace with persecution. It requires that you make peace with persecution. Because when I'm experiencing persecution, it's proof that I'm pursuing my purpose because this persecution is going to release a power of God in my life like one I've never seen before because this persecution is going to accelerate the fulfillment of the purpose for which God has created me for. And um, we're, we're, this is true for, for all of us. It was true for Jesus. You know, we want to be like Jesus, but then not really. <laughs> That's just me. We want to be like Jesus. But then as some, soon as somebody try us, we be like, I ain't Jesus. But aren't we supposed to be trying to be like Jesus? We want to be like Jesus until it requires pain and discomfort. We want the blessings of God until we understand that those blessings come through a press, a season of pressing. Right. We want the power of God in our life. We want the anointing of God, but it's until we realize that that is going to require pressing. We want to fulfill the purpose of our life until we understand that persecution is tied to that. But we can't avoid it. Jesus couldn't avoid being persecuted. And I, I'm here to tell you, neither can you, friend. 
I know this is, I know this, I'm like, what kind of church message, what kind of church message is this? I don't know about you, but I'm a fighter. And so if I have to get in the fight, if the fight is unavoidable, I just want to be prepared. If I can avoid the fight, great. But if the fight is unavoidable, I want to be prepared. And for those of you who intend to fulfill the purpose for which you have been created at the level that God has called you to, to match the anointing that he has poured all over you, do you understand this position that he has given you, the impact that he intends to have in and through your life to bring glory to his name, to shake up this world for the kingdom, do you understand? So that souls would not be lost, but they would be redeemed back to him. If you are ready to say yes to that, then I want you to be prepared for the journey of pursuing your purpose. And friend, the truth is it requires that you make peace with persecution. Jesus did it before us. God, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever should believe in him would not perish. And God loved, Jesus loved us so he was so willing that he laid down his life. He left the throne he left the throne and became rags for us. Do you understand? And put on the rags of our sin, put our sin on him and got on the cross and died. He laid down his life for us. When he came in through the Virgin Mary, he, he came with a purpose. And it was to redeem all lost souls. It, Jesus is for everybody. The birth of a baby to a virgin with a purpose to redeem God's lost back to himself. That was always his purpose. And as he fulfilled his purpose on this earth, he was persecuted. The persecution of Jesus was proof that he was pursuing his purpose. The persecution of Jesus release the power of the Holy Spirit into the lives of all believers today. The persecution of Jesus accelerated the fulfillment of his purpose, which was to redeem God's people. They thought that by persecuting him, by killing him, it would put an end. But what they really did was accelerate it because if they had decided not to persecute Jesus, if they had said, we're going to keep our hands off of God's anointed, it would have slowed, right? The fulfillment of the purpose. But by being so hasty to kill Jesus, it fulfilled his purpose. By being so hasty to kill Stephen, it accelerated the purpose that Jesus always had for the disciples. They were so hasty to persecute. And maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've heard about Jesus and you, you just did not, you just have not accepted the gift that is yours, the gift that he died for. His purpose is fulfilled when we die and we accept him as our Lord and Savior. And so if you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. Oh, Father God. I thank you for opening my eyes to the sin that separates me from you. God, I confess that I am a sinner in need of a savior. 
I believe that your son Jesus was sent from heaven, died on a cross, and rose again so that I could have eternal life. God, I invite Jesus in to be Lord of my life. Lord, I thank you for giving me the gift of salvation, this gift that I could not earn. God, I thank you for saving me. God, I thank you for loving me. And I am committed to following you all the days of my life. Amen. Now listen, if you said it and you meant it, that settles it, that settles it. I want to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I invite you to send us an email at praise at boldfaithchurch.org and let us know that you have just accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, Savior. We want to connect with you. We want to get some resources in your hands to help you as you go along this faith walk. You are to do this as an individual decision, but it's meant to be done in community and we want to bring you into community. Maybe you're just returning back to the fold or you've decided that Bold Faith Community Church is your church home. I'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at praise at boldfaithchurch.com. If this message has blessed you and you want to help us get this message out um, first to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth, then you can give your tithes and offering at boldfaithchurch.org. We could not do the work that God has called us to do without your generosity. For those of you who give faithfully, we thank you. We appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for helping us to do this work that we so love to do. Now, listen, you know that this is not over. It is time for us to get into our life groups and have a conversation about uh, the sermon, about the things that God has called us to do, um, about the persecution that we may be facing, about the purpose that we are committed to fulfilling. It's an opportunity for us to talk about the revelation and make a plan for application. You don't want to miss that. So go over to bit.ly slash boldfaithchurch.org. We cannot wait to connect with you. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you haven't, turn on that notification button so that you can hear every time we go live, every time we add a new video, maybe you'll start joining us in mon uh, Monday mornings, mornings in the word, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. EST. Even if you can't join us live, you can always watch the replay. Be sure to share this video with a woman of purpose in your life. If there is a woman, of any age that you love who has started the journey to her purpose and you want to see her win, do me a favor, do her a favor. Hit that share button and send her the link so that she can get encouraged and get prepared for the journey that she's on. Get a reminder that what she's going through is not a red flag that she should not give up, but it's proof that she is on the right track encourage somebody with this word today all right i love y'all and i'll see y'all on the inside later 
If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.